0: So Philippians one nineteen. it says this. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit, the word help there is actually mean the anointing of the Spirit. It's not just He stands on the side. He actually anoints you for a task. He anoints you when you're going through tough times. He's with you. Uh, and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ will turn out for my deliverance. It is my, it's, as it is my eager expectation and hope, that I will not be ashamed. Paul often says that. I just think we need, we need to understand as believers, we, we get to a place where we are not ashamed of this gospel. And I don't think I finished the story about the North, North Koreans, but basically they, they, they decided to follow Jesus. And by holding a Bible in their hand, they were executed publicly. And we need to have that resolve in our hearts. And I, I think that the gift of a martyr is, is not for everyone, but we may be placed in positions where we're actually... We need to stand up for Jesus. And some of us can't even stand up to our work colleagues. Imagine if someone holds a gun to our head and says, Confess Jesus Christ or die. Or your child's going to die. Or you're going to die and your child and your whole family is going to be tortured. Who do you love most? And that's the thing. Paul was in change And he could honestly say, I was unashamed. I was... um, but now with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or, or by death. And this is the crux for me of, of chapter 1. It says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Who's heard that quoted before? Okay, we kind of, you put it on the, your bumper sticker and it's all nice. And maybe sometimes there's a dove flying out of it. But if we, if we understand where Paul was riding from this place, it was it was hardcore. I mean, he was sitting there, literally chained. I, I, I explained it a few weeks ago that if he had an itch, he would just have to deal with it. Like, there's, there's nothing he can do. He's chained on both sides. The amazing thing is that Paul preached the gospel to either side of the, the, the Roman gods, to the, to the point where the whole imperial god, like Sheikh Mohammed's posse, and, and a bunch of guys around him, they would preach the gospel. And, and there were many believers because of Paul being in change. Um, if I'm alive in the flesh, and that means fruitful labor to me, Yet which, I, uh, yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Obviously, being with Jesus in paradise is better. Um, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Key thing. Progress and joy. Which means we actually grow. We grow from glory to glory. We become more like Jesus. We don't. And I think sometimes people think the more you, the more you become a Christian, the more aware of your sin are. And then you carry the sin on yourself. And I just changed to Michael before. The, the sin, it's, it, Jesus has dealt with the sin in us. We, 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 need to, we need to no longer be slaves to it. We need to no longer be controlled by it and weighed down by it because Jesus has dealt with it. Um, I'll go to Verse 27. It says, only let the manner of life be worthy of the gospel, so that whether I come to see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you, that you are standing firm in one spirit and in one mind, striving side by side for the faith in the gospel and not be frightened by anything or your opponents. So for me, I think Paul runs off chapter one by talking, I can't get into all of that. I'm just going to pick up for me to live as Christ and die as gain and, and us standing together in unity. But for me, he's... He's got to the point where he knows that when he passes into the next life, he's going to be with his ultimate goal, which is Jesus Christ. And I think for all of us, that needs to be the pursuit of our lives. Really, being a Christian is quite simple. Pursue Jesus. The, the scriptures aren't given so we can memorize and become intellectual. The scriptures are given so we can have relationship with God. Let's go back to Adam and Eve. You had Adam in the garden. They walked with God. Uh, there was a relationship because of sin that, that, that got messed up. Thanks be to Jesus Christ who came in our place, died on the cross, took the wrath of God upon himself. God's wrath became God's favor upon our lives. We are absolutely changed. We, we walk in now as living sons and daughters of God. In a sense, we've gone back to, to Eden. And we need to we need to understand that that the, the Bible is not a list of things to do, it's, 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 a, it's a narrative, it's a story about God's redemption to mankind. And now we are living in the, in an incredible time. We're living in the grace era where we actually can engage with this living king. That the the, the the temple curtain was torn into, which means we can go into the Holy of Holies, we can be in God's presence, we can go, and the Bible says in Hebrews that we can go unashamed into his presence. We need to understand these things. So so Paul realized that. Before Jesus, we were slaves to sin. We were controlled by sin. Who can actually testify to that? I can. Okay. You know that it's true. You know that before you became a a Christian and your heart was changed, and even, even maybe in the early stages of being a believer, there was still the stuff that you're just dealing with, that you're still controlled by. It could be alcohol. It could be girls. It could be guys. Whatever. And then God just slowly starts to change your heart. But now we are slaves to righteousness. We are slaves to Christ Jesus. Our lives are are, are an offering to him. And I'm just like, God, I I don't wake up every morning worrying about, oh, am I going to sin or not? I I wake up saying, Jesus, I want to honor you with my whole body. I want to honor you with my life. I want to give you everything. I want to be the most passionate person I possibly can be for Christ. And this is what Paul was saying. He was, he was saying, listen, I don't care because if I stay, it's going to be fruitful for me. There's going to be life. There's going to be uh, churches planted, people saved. There's going to be people healed, whatever it is. But if I go, I'm going to be with Jesus. So it's a win-win. And we need to live in that place. And I think that's the only time that we can ever get to a place where we say, oh, well, actually we can't be martyred. Because we're living so fruitful for Jesus, that we can't be to a place of, like, if someone holds a gun to your head, confess Jesus or die. was it? don't. You know what I mean. Um, (laughs) Paul had a single focus. And I think what we've learned, even before the Philippians, is that Paul lived from almost like a heavenly perspective down to earth. He knew that his citizenship was in heaven. That's the ultimate place he's going to. And he says, in the meantime, he's going to represent Jesus on this planet. He knew that out of 1 Corinthians 15, 55, it says, Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Death, for the believer, should be a place of joy. It should be a place of looking forward to. And now, obviously, the people who stay behind, we, we upset, we mourn, whatever it is. But actually, death is a place where we can go be home with the Father. Um, and I think also, for me, and this is, what I think God's stirring in my heart majorly is that there's something of a militancy in this language. And if you look at the Old and New Testament, there was a lot around. Obviously, Old Testament was literal military. But Paul uses a lot of analogies around military. And for me, it means it means standing up. So I think one of the greatest robbings of my generation, and some of you may have gone to the army, but we never went to the army. Who went to the army? Can you raise your hands in this room? One, two, three, four. Four out of whatever, how many guys, 50 guys, 30 guys, it's, it's, I think it's made something of our generation soft. I mean, I, 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 all the girls are like, mm, yeah. mm, you know? <laughs> I think, honestly, I think there's, there's something of a, of a militancy in me where I'm saying guys need to rise up and, and just take the call that God's on their life. They need to. They didn't almost look at it as we are signing up to go into the military. We need to. We need to stop stuffing around with with uh, civilian affairs. We need to. We need to stop messing around with things that that had a hold on us. The sin. Oh, I'm dragging the sin with me. J- just knock it off. It's time we stand up. It's time we we realize that we have a call of God that we that we actually can take. We can take grand guys. Like I, honestly. I think every guy has to have a fight in them. The moment a guy loses the fight, they've lost everything. Yeah. What, I, what I mean by that is that they, they don't have something that, they, that, they, that they're genuinely searching God for. Yeah. I lead this church. Honestly, for some of you who may lead a church, you'll see there, there's, there's, a, there's a battering, in a sense, from the enemy that comes. But we live in the grace of God, and we don't get affected by it. But the, the thing is, my point is this. I have a fight in me for something. You all need. To, we need to find God, and more just more than just your career, more than just uh, making money for retirement, and all that. Kind of, honestly, guys, there's there's way more for guys. That's why men like war films, like Band of Brothers, Gladiator, because it appeals to something inside of us that we're not living out. And um, a few things I've noticed when men get offended, they back off. Wow, sensitive. When too much is asked of them, they back off. Yeah. When uh, they've allowed the world to batter them, they back off. And I think there needs to be a holy rising inside inside of the men in city lights. And just say, do you know what? We need to stop. I could, if it was just guys, I would say a whole lot more, okay? Because we can talk guys, guy language to each other, okay? It'll offend some of you girls. We really just need a man up. I, like, there's no there's no two ways about it. There's, there's like, do you know what? Like, for some reason, and I've seen this in leading a church and in being in ministry for years, is that for some reason girls get it quickly. Awesome. We we want girls to be strong girls in this church. Okay. We're not going to hold girls back, but but I don't think they should should step back and become all whimperish just so we can oh, this pleasant tokenism. We can make that guy look good. No, it's a load of rubbish. I think if guys step up, the girls will love it, and the girls can run forward into all that God has for them. Okay. <laughs> Flair lead your family step up Don't let. That's a, I mean there's so much I can say on this but it, it really is a thing of you need to lead your family in times of prayer you need to lead if, if you're engaged lead your, your fiance and you let's, let's pray for our marriage let's pray for our children let's pray for all of these things you need to want, be the one that stands up and whether that's in your personality or not it's the, your God given role it's not your, wife, your wife's role to, to be the one that steps up in the family. You should be both stepping up together, finding a space together. I love that Starla can preach. I love that she can share her gifting and operate in her gifting. I love it because I'm not insecure about that. Man up. Okay. That was a whole section. What do you live for? Paul wasn't unsure of what he lived for. And I think I just wrote a few things down. Some of you live for a career. Some of you live for money. And uh, Jesus is clear around that thing. He says you cannot serve both God and mammon, which is the God of money. Ultimately, that's the God of self. And I know, I know people that, that worship the God of self, that worship money, that, that count every cent and penny. And it's, a, and it's always a struggle because there's never a free-flowing move of, 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 the, of godly finances through your life. And I can say the only way to break that is to give. If, uh, give give to the kingdom of God, give to the local church, uh, give, give. Just just start handing out, because what you'll start to do, just start to build faith. And it's, it opens, in a sense, the door of faith. Well, you'll see, oh wow, God came through for me here. God came through for me here. And it's, it builds your faith. And we need to understand whether you're earning 1000 or 100000 a month, you need to learn how to just give away. Just start giving away. And, and it creates such a faith and We've already had testimonies around tithing and around giving and generosity where God blows your mind, okay? You think you're giving a little bit, but God just multiplies it. So it's almost like the more you give, the more God is just going to multiply back to you. And it's, and it's not always in finances. It's, it's often in just the blessing, the fullness, the richness of God that gets poured back into your life. Acts 2 people gave, and it re, the generosity, uh, the gospel was preached, People understood the love of God. Lovers are givers. If you've understood how good Jesus is, you automatically, you're just like, do you know what? I'm, and I've said this many times, but you're not the last guy to pull out your wallet. You know, you're not the guy, like, you're slowly pulling it out where everyone else is. And we went out for dinner the other night, actually, with Natalie and Ryan. And before I could even get my money out, she had, like, thrown the card across the room. And uh, it was great. Some of you worship yourself, slash your bodies. Can I say this? I hate selfies, okay. I absolutely hate them it 's such a celebrity culture thing, and I saw it's, I saw something the other day where they took famous photos throughout history like there 's one of um, Desmond Tutu holding some dude, and then there 's one guy like taking a hand so they 've almost like mimicked the whole selfies thing you know I just and for those of you do it 's fine whatever i 'm just saying I hate it, I just think it's it 's even, like, I've noticed a lot of pastors that I follow on Twitter and Instagram, they're always like, oh, selfie, look at me, the congregation behind me. It's like, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And I think it's a commentary on our generation. It's, it's, it's a commentary how vain we are. It's a commentary about, and the star actually read something to me the other day, is that if you look at people's photos, you'll see the thing that they're, that they're worried about losing the most. What they take photos of the most is the thing they're going to they're, that they're worried about. So if it's for me, it's food. Okay, I'm going to be honest. Those of you who follow me on my Instagram, it's all food. Okay, so I'm worried about losing that. Um, and then there's a few of my wife, obviously. But um, <laughs> Joy says to me, "Dan, I think you love food more than me," which you know is not the truth. I just think it's in in a lot of ways, it's like. We've got stuck in, it's almost like this celebrity type uh, Christianity that I just I don't like. Honestly, I just think it's, it's if, if Paul was around, he would hate it. He would just say, guys, just stop focusing on yourselves. Stop, I mean, and just, I'm going to probably say it a bit more later, but there's so, like so many people, will. if there's, if you play rugby in a sport, you'll never miss a, a practice. You'll never miss a gym session. But when it comes to kingdom things, 7th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th on the list, is that you always... Oh, my friend's having a party at Barastis. Okay, number one on my list. At oh, the same time as church, Barasti. You know what I mean? It's, it's because why? Because it's actually it's itself. It's, it's all about me. Because at the, at the root of which Paul said last week, the root of all sin is selfishness. It's pointing back to me. It's Because honestly, coming to church can, some, it's sometimes hard. It's like, oh, I have to get up early, even though 10.30 is not early. Um, I have to get up early. I can't do this. And the thing is, it just shocks me sometimes, and I've seen this in ministry for years, how people prioritize the wrong things. They prioritize so many, and they, they kill themselves at work the, the whole week, and then they say, oh, Friday morning, I can't get there, I'm just so tired. And I think we, we need to learn how to put the kingdom priorities in place first, because we'll never be a, a, a people that change the city. We'll never be able to say, for me to live as Christ, it does gain. Because for me to live as Christ, about all about Him. My, my kids are him. I'm praying every day for my kids to to grow up into into godly children. That 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 are little evangelists on the playground. You, you're praying that you're praying for their spouse. You're praying these things into the future. Um, some of us love for holidays, and I know that's very much a Dubai thing. There's, okay, Kurt actually took me to task. I mentioned uh, holidays the one time, and he was just about to go on holiday, and he felt condemned about <laughs> holidays. Uh, holidays are good. Okay. We all need a break. We need to understand rest, and I think the biggest rest you can find is rest in God. If you know, just to have that moment, we just you just spend with Him, let the presence wash over you, etc. Do you know that holidays are only a recent invention, and I'd say only in the past maybe 80 to 100 years has it become that even like middle, even lower to upper, upper class have started going on holidays. Before, even in the, in the early Puritan days, it was frowned upon. That we went on holidays. Now my point is, holidays aren't bad, but my, if 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 you live for holidays, if you live for that moment where ah oh, there's Maldives in six months' time, you forget about all the stuff that you could have done in these six months for Jesus because you're focusing on your holiday in the Maldives. Saying live for Jesus, live for me to live is Christ. It's every day, every walk is Jesus. And this you'll go through tough times, and we need to understand that we can come back. To the Father, this loving King who wants to just spend time with us, have a relationship with us. He fills your soul. Don't live for holidays. We live in a kingdom of comfort where I am King. And the thing is, if you pursue these things alone, you will be empty. I've seen it. People who pursue money, they're empty. I've seen people who live for a holiday, they're empty. I've seen, and there's probably a bit of a touchy one, I've seen people who live for their kids, they're empty. Because they're trying to fill something that only Jesus can fill. And if you live for him 100%, your life just makes sense. This is really simple, 101 Christianity. Um, Paul had two goals. Knowing Christ and making him known. I think if we just simplify our lives down to that, it's like knowing Christ and making him known. Verse 27. Before we get there, we have to fight the culture of Dubai. Honestly, and I know I mention it every week, and I even said to, to Star next year, I am going to mention it a lot. Because there's, there's something in the city that just takes over. It's like, this, it, it, it nullifies faith. It's why, for me, even in worship, it's like, okay, let's try and engage God. Let's push through, push through. It's because our hearts aren't in a place of like, I'm willing I'm wanting to come meet with the living God. And can I say that, even coming on a Friday morning, don't just come there. say, oh, cool, I'm going to get a coffee, maybe croissants, and then just sit and listen. Actually, come to participate. The, the worship is the part that's not about you. Like, generally, what I'm doing now is actually it should be edifying you, building you up, learning something. But worship is the part where you give back to God. Um, so many people I've known and uh, through the years have come to Dubai firing for Jesus and have let the culture just slowly, and it doesn't happen overnight, just slowly, slowly chip away, chip away, chip away, and eventually they're not passionate for Jesus, maybe not even serving the Lord anymore. They, they're going their own way. There's still some kind of understanding of who God is, but it's, it's, they've been chipped away by the culture. We have to be a counterculture. And, and it starts in our lives. And uh, I was chatting to Paul Toddy last week, and he says there's, there's almost like an atmosphere in your life that, that you, need to, you need to self-govern yourself. You need to be the most passionate, on fire, in love with Jesus, uh, and then that thing would end up changing atmospheres in other people. You shouldn't be the one that it gets dictated to by the other, other people's atmosphere. Verse 27, it says, Only let your life, uh, the manner of your life, be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Simple. I heard this the other day. It says, Be like Jesus. Time with God, time with believers, time with unbelievers. That's how Jesus operated. He'd wake up in the morning, spend time with God. He'd go, sometimes have sleepless nights, spending time with God. He would spend time with believers, which is essentially his 12 and maybe even the 72. And then he would spend time, a lot of time, with unbelievers. And I think we need to learn if, we, if we're going to be a unique community in the city where it's not just about a, a, a place that people come to worship, but actually we're about the church that's going out, that's changing lives, that's, that's almost splintering into society, we have to learn to live like this. Engage God first, time with believers, and time with unbelievers. And uh, just I think what Paul was saying there, he said, live a life worthy of the gospel. And he knew that the Philippians had almost this, uh, th- they were Roman citizens, so there was something of pride that came through. So he was appealing to that same nature, and then he said, you know what, you are now citizens of heaven, begin to live like it. Yeah. And people immediately read that, and they take that verse alone, and they said, okay, they immediately get into a works mentality. They immediately go, okay, well, it's, a, it's about not doing this, 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 and you start listing stuff. It's not about that. For me, it's, it's a matter of, of showing how, how passionate you are in love with who Jesus is. The gospel is about reconciliation from God to man, from us to others. And I think what this almost sets up when you are going to verse 2, which uh, Rom is going to preach next week, which is about humility and understanding humility, that's how we need to operate with one another. So he's saying this. He said, so if God has forgiven you, you have to forgive others. John thirteen thirty five says this, by, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The Lord's Prayer. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. There's, we can't say that we, we don't live at peace with one another if the gospel is in our hearts. We need to learn to reconcile. And I think that the biggest thing in, in, often in the church is offense and division comes from Misunderstanding. And we need to learn how to maturely, whether it's a theological thing we're working through, whatever it is, it's a relational thing. We need to learn how to deal with stuff relationally and work it out, work it through. Don't just write someone off, get offended with them, don't talk to them, cut them off on Facebook. Had that before, it's ridiculous. Okay, it's immature. Um, says, uh, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. And then this verse says this, then whether I come, And see you, or hear about you in my absence, I'll know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith in the gospel. And I I think, for me, the the emphasis a a lot, what he's going to go into now, is that unity will sustain the life of God in anything. Unity, as uh, Psalm 133 says, brings a commanded blessing of God. But it's, it's a thing we need to focus on. It's why... We, we don't take lightly community times. It's wild like we have a time at the park and we, we want everyone to come there because actually it's a time of building community and building friendship. And Because the thing is, if there's a bridge of friendship, you can deal with stuff easily. Then it's like, okay, if I need to speak to... Ramsey, just right in front of me. But uh, if I need to speak to Ramsey about saying, he knows I love him. He knows that, that uh, there's... There's, that, I, that I want the best for him. And if I have to speak to him about saying in his life, he, I know because he has taken it, I know he's going to take it. And same with me. I have people speaking to my life. I know that they love me and they want the best for me. And it's, it's sometimes when there's no bridge of friendship and then I think the pastor or whatever, the deacon or whatever, just comes down hard. That's when things get messed up. And there has to be community, love for one another, and that's how the world will know that we are Christ's followers. The enemy will try to bring uh, disunity. It could be through theological ideas, men's pride, the breakdown of uh, marriages that can often bring disunity in a church, disunity in the home, first of all, which is absolutely terrible. People will be offended, and they let the root ruin the whole tree. And I think we've, I mean, everyone who's come into our church as minister, they always comment about, wow, you guys are so connected, so together. And I think we can, we can be more. Because I know that there's people sitting out today who don't feel welcome. And you need to go out of your way, out of your clique. Don't speak to the same person every week. Find the new people. Michael, I can just mention them. I'm going to point them out. Michael and Vanessa. Um, I don't know what her name is. This lady in the second row. Um, <laughs> Nicoline. There's new people. And I just think... if. if we need to learn how to how to grow our relational capacity. We need to learn how to, because it's a value of God. The, the Trinity is perfect unity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all working together for one goal, for one purpose. And I think unity does come through that. It's like our purpose is Jesus, our, our, per, sorry, our focus is Jesus, and our purpose is the gospel. We live with that in our minds. And uh, and that's why we, we emphasize community times. And we don't, we don't say, okay. Well, that's my, my moment to back off and sleep in. Actually, no, that's your moment. We need to go in and meet new people. Invite into your home. Okay. Stand firm in one spirit, striving together as for one faith in the gospel. Now, the word striving in Greek means to wrestle in company. So, Rams, can you come up here? It means this. Okay. Ramsey, it probably would have been a hooker. Maybe a prop. <laughs> They actually made me prop when I was young. I was, uh, Anyway, and, um, so, so this, it means striving together in unity. We, we, we fight together. We're stronger together than we are apart. And we can take on the enemy if we are, if we are linked arm by arm. And Ramsey is one of the deacons in our church. And in this time, I've asked all the leaders just to pull alongside and say, guys, let's just push forward together. We, we're scrumming together. Okay, Even though I wasn't the greatest rugby player, but I know how to scrum. I often went, because I was locked, so I went kind of through the wrong... I went through the guys' legs instead of between them. Anyway, different story. Um, Can we show that video, please? This is, okay, before we show it, this is, forgive the cheesy lines because it's out of 300, all that kind of thing, but it it emphasizes the point that I wanted to make. So, go for it. Is the sound on number 17? Quick. No, Captain. That this is the unsload of the enemy. is where they die and the shield voice boys... <laughs> remember this day man for it will be yours for all time oh Okay. The point is, striving together, wrestling together. And the, for me, with this, what would make this illustration a bit fuller is that when we stand together, the, the armies of the living God are standing behind us. And I, I've, I, I feel like the, we are, in a sense, in that moment as a church. So can we all stand? And I want to ask you to do something which may seem awkward. Could you hold hands, link hands? We have never done this. We're not going to sing Kumbaya. Winston Churchill said this. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight in the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and on the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never... Surrender. I just want to find Joel quickly. Joel 2 speaks about an army of God. And it really is just about, it says no one is jostling for position. They've got one focus. They're focused on the end goal. It, it says it's like a swarm of locusts that are running across the earth. And it, the amazing thing in Joel 2, it starts with, with the trumpet sound like it did there. And a trumpet sound always signifies that, that, that there's a battle is on. And I, I feel as a church, we need to stand together in this time. We need to say, God, we know that there's the promised land. Almost raise up a Joshua inside all of us. There's a promised land for us to go take inheritance and hold it. But it's not going to come if there's not unity. So, Father, we, we pray that uh, by your presence and by your spirit, God, we would be like that movie, God. That we're all in one unison one faith, striving towards one God, which is you, Jesus Christ. I pray, Heavenly Father, that, I, that you would just uh, you would link our hearts, link, in a sense, link our shields and say, God, from this moment, we are not going to let anything in. Father, I pray for men. I pray, Lord God, that you'd protect their eyes, you'd protect their hearts, you'd protect their hearts with money, their eyes from, from lust and pornography. I pray, Lord God, for your, for your protection. I pray, Lord God, that there would be a locking together, that there, that there is an inheritance for us as a people. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be those who stand up and roar and fight in the face of the enemy. There will be not a time of backing down. Father, we pray, Lord Jesus, your presence would be in us and rush through us. Father, let us never become lazy. Let us never back down and say, okay, let the enemy defeat me. Father, I pray that as, as the dude said on the video, he says, we'll give them nothing. Father, we thank you that as we stand together, it brings your commanded blessing. It brings your the angels of heaven is standing behind us and with us and fighting with us.